Tech Writer Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 707 for the 21st of August, 2020. This week, the free open source office suite LibreOffice is out with version 7, and it has an impressive bunch of new features, improved performance, and enhanced capabilities to deal with Microsoft Office files. In short circuits, Microsoft created restore points for Windows systems in the far distant past, and you probably think that your Windows 10 computer is protected by that technology. Surprise, unless you have enabled restore points, it isn't. Everybody should have a password manager, but maybe you don't want a password manager that stores your passwords in the cloud, even though it's demonstrably safe. If so, now's the time to take a look at KeePass XC. That's the new version of the venerable KeePass. In spare parts, only on the website, the novel coronavirus has become a goldmine for scammers. They have adopted old ploys to new circumstances. Adobe, Red Hat, and IBM are teaming up to enhance online security as users of online systems demand more ease of use. And 20 years ago, the Oxford English Dictionary had just been released in an online version for more than $500 per year. Today it's $90 a year, but libraries often provide online access to patrons without cost. The open source LibreOffice continues to offer a viable alternative to Microsoft Office, and the recently released version 7 might attract some diehard Microsoft Office users. Version 7 is an early general release, so problems should be expected. If you like the idea of using open source applications but fear the potential problems inherent in new releases, LibreOffice version 6.4.5 is the current stable version, but of course it omits all the new features I'll be telling you about. Microsoft has made the Office suite so inexpensive with a $100 family plan that allows for installation on up to six computers... So that's about $17 per year per user. And Microsoft has apps that can be installed on mobile devices without counting against the machine total. Microsoft also has one note that a lot of users, including me, consider to be all but indispensable. LibreOffice users can use OneNote, though, because Microsoft provides it for free. LibreOffice also has no email client or calendar, but Thunderbird is a fine application for email, and Google's calendar is at least equal to, it may be better, than Outlook's calendar. Each individual app has its own start screen or start menu option, but there's also a LibreOffice app that displays all of the recent documents that have been edited in any of the apps. Microsoft does something similar, and its approach is prettier, but the LibreOffice approach seems more useful. Microsoft clearly sees the cloud as the future for Office apps, and they've designed Office 365 to save files automatically to OneDrive. 
There are clear advantages to storing files in the cloud because then they're available from all of your devices that have internet access. I prefer storing files locally, though, in the location I have used for decades. A words directory on Drive D, for example. The Office 365 apps can be modified to honor that location, but it's annoying to be forced to make the change. LibreOffice stores files locally by default, but if you want them to be stored in the cloud, you can accomplish that easily with Google Drive. Those who want to go fully online with both apps and files in the cloud can choose Google Docs. Google's apps are fine for documents that you need to share with others or when you need access no matter where you are. Microsoft has also put a lot of effort into enabling collaboration. LibreOffice users can store files on network devices or on Google Drive, but collaboration is still less convenient than with Microsoft or Google apps. LibreOffice includes a word processor, a spreadsheet program, presentation application, a drawing program, and a database manager. Microsoft offers all of these, too. Google omits several. WordPerfect includes the Paradox database manager only when the user pays more for the professional version. The Draw application in LibreOffice, while limited, does offer a lot of features for specialized uses, drawing flowcharts, for example. Overall, it will never match the capabilities of dedicated illustration tools such as Adobe Illustrator, Affinity Designer, or CorelDRAW. The spreadsheet, called Calc, is compatible with Excel's formula structure. Although Microsoft Word will open a PDF document, you can't edit it and then save it as a PDF. LibreOffice Writer can do that, but this isn't something to depend on. Fixing a typo or two in a PDF is fine, but any significant editing should be done in the application used to create the original file, and then the PDF should be rendered again. LibreOffice does have its own proprietary file formats, but it can read and write standard Microsoft files. In fact, users who encounter corrupt Microsoft files that can cause the Microsoft application to crash can sometimes save the day by opening the file using LibreOffice and then saving a new copy of the file in Microsoft format. Until now, LibreOffice's interface was well, stodgy. It had a lot in common with Microsoft Office Suite interfaces from a decade or more ago. Although LibreOffice updates tend to be more about functions and less about adding shiny objects, version 7 does add a tabbed interface that resembles Microsoft's ribbon interface. The tabbed option is turned off by default. Check the TechBiter Worldwide website and you can see the old-style LibreOffice user interface, Microsoft's user's interface, and then the new tabbed user interface that LibreOffice now offers. The user also has the option of using one of several themes and to change the icons that are on the interface. And speaking of the interface, the drop-down menu seems to have received a major speed boost. Previous versions displayed the menu lists slowly. Version 7 is much, much faster. Now, slowly is a relative term here. The delay previously was probably about a 15 hundredth of a second. It's now like a 1 one hundredth of a second. So impressive, but probably not a really big deal. Probably the most important new feature that extends across the full suite is improved compatibility with Microsoft's DocX, XLSX, and PPTX files. Previously, LibreOffice used the Microsoft format from 2007. 
So opening a file in the Microsoft product triggered a compatibility mode. Now all files saved in Microsoft format are written in 2013, 2016, 2019 mode. This is important for people who need to exchange files with users of Microsoft Office. Writer is the primary application in the suite, and it has received the most significant updates, such as support for transparent text, the ability to display bookmarks in line, and better automatic application of typographic quotes. Many of these features also function properly in Draw and Impress. Calc has two new formulas for dealing with random numbers. The RAND function returns a decimal number between 0 and 1, and RAND between returns a random number between whatever numbers you specify. Those functions have been around for a while. The two new functions add .nv at the end, so RAND NV and RAND between NV. The NV notation tells the application not to recalculate the random number when the user presses F9, which would normally recalculate the entire sheet, or does any other action that would normally cause the sheet to be recalculated. The non-volatile random numbers do recalculate when the sheet is loaded, and when the user selects the cell before pressing F9. This is the kind of function that will appeal to statisticians. For the rest of us, probably not so much. LibreOffice's native file format is the 2019 version of the Open Document format. The new files support document digital signatures and open PGP-based XML document encryption, along with better ability to track changes. The Skia Graphics Engine is an open-source 2D graphics library used to draw images, shapes, and text. Yes, on the screen, text is just geometric shapes. To improve performance, LibreOffice uses AMD's Vulkan graphics function. The suite is available for Windows, Mac OS, Linux, and Chrome OS. Because Flash is being eliminated at the end of the year, and many browsers have already removed support, LibreOffice has removed the Flash export filter. This version does add support for Java modules using JRE 9 or higher. It locks toolbars on new user profiles, and it improves LibreOffice help. But attempts to access the help file locally right now return a message that tells the user the local help files are not installed and they should be downloaded. The files seem not yet to be ready for download. But the online help is fast, depending on your internet connection. So the bottom line here, LibreOffice could be the right choice. I'm giving it four cats. The price is certainly right, and the suite contains everything you'll need except for an email application and a calendar. Those shortcomings are easily remedied with Thunderbird and Google Calendar. But if you need to access your files on mobile devices, Microsoft Office 365 or the much less powerful Google Docs or Zoho Docs are effectively your only choices. LibreOffice is compatible with all Microsoft file formats and supports most of the application's functions. Still, if you are in a 100% Microsoft environment, sticking with the commercial software might be your only option. You'll find additional details on the LibreOffice website. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, might you consider a donation? There are no ads here, and support from listeners is the sole source of income. 
It's easy. Just visit the website and click the donate button near the top of any page. You can make a one-time donation or schedule a repeating donation every month. I thank you. And so does the cat. In short circuits, sometimes Microsoft does something that is simply impossible to explain. Disabling the creation of restore points on Windows 10 is one of those things. Now, this isn't new. It's been the standard operation for four years or more. Microsoft created restore points many years ago, and many people probably think they're enabled now by default. They're not. Restore points are intended to protect users from things like software installations that cause the computer to become unstable, bad operating system updates, and other events that cause operational problems. Restore points aren't needed if the computer has a disk image backup. But how many users have created frequently updated disk images? Probably not many. I run a backup that creates a new disk image every five weeks and generates differential backups in each of the other four weeks. If you do that, having restore points turned off is okay, but I keep restore points turned on. Performing a system restore from an image is easier than formatting the disk drive and starting over, but it is still a process that can consume an hour, or a lot more than an hour, Recovering by using a restore point can take only a few minutes if it works. Restore points do consume some disk space, but I've always considered that space to be a good investment. True, in an enterprise where there's an IT department to take care of computer problems, there are better options. But if you're a home user and you're your own IT department, it really doesn't make a lot of sense to perform a high-wire act after removing the safety net. If you have a new computer, now's a good time to turn on the disk protection feature. If your computer isn't new, now's a good time to check and then turn it on if it's disabled. Fortunately, it's pretty easy. Start by pressing the Windows key and then type, all as one word, System Properties Protection. You'll be asked if you want to run the command. You do. A user access control warning will appear, so you should accept it. Then the old-style control panel system properties applet will open, and the system protection tab will be active. If protection is turned on for the boot drive, which is almost always drive C, you can just close the dialog and get back to work. Or click the configure button to check the settings. If your computer has more than one disk drive, there's nothing much to be gained by enabling protection for the other drives. If you click Configure to check the settings or to enable System Restore, another dialog box will open. Make sure Turn On System Protection is selected, and then specify the maximum amount of space you want to allow Restore Points to consume. Then click OK twice to close both dialog boxes. You can return to System Properties Protection to create a Restore Point manually at any time. It's wise to do that before installing a new application or a system update. 
Then, if something goes wrong, you can use the Apps and Features setting to remove the problem application. Do that before you press the Windows key and R to open the run box. Once the run box is open, type rstrui.exe to open System Restore. Windows will recommend the most recent restore point, and that's usually the right choice, but you can also choose an earlier restore point if one exists. System recovery with a restore point doesn't always work, and it isn't always the perfect solution, but it is the quickest and easiest way to recover from a problem when it works properly, and it can save hours of work. Password managers such as LastPass and 1Password offer a lot of useful features, but there's an open source password manager that's worth considering. KeePass has been around for a long time, and now there's a new version with a lot to recommend it. First, a little background. Dominic Reichel developed KeePass in 2003, and the most recent version was released this May. KeePass runs natively only on Windows. The KeePass community, a group of KeePass users, wanted to expand the information and has just released KeePass XC. It began as a fork of KeePass X. Wait, KeePass X? Where'd that come from? Well, as is common with open source software, a group of developers wanted a version of KeePass to run on Linux. So they created such a version using the original KeePass code. Then they created a fork of that code to create KeePass XC, and it runs on Windows, Mac OS, and Linux. And fork? Well, Wikipedia has a concise definition, so I'll just borrow that, and here it is. In software engineering, a project fork happens when developers take a copy of source code from one software package and start independent development on it, creating a distinct and separate piece of software. The term often implies not merely a development branch, but also a split in the developer community, a form of schism. So, here we are with KeePass XC. KeePass 2, which is an updated version of KeePass by the original author, KeePass X and KeePass XC all use the same format for their data files, and there are far more similarities than differences. The just-released version 2.6 of KeePass XC is described as being the culmination of a year's worth of effort by the development team and contributors. The user interface has been completely reworked to give it a more modern look. Light and dark custom themes have been added along with some other visual features. And security has been enhanced with the support of YubiKey and OnlyKey. I have recommended commercial password managers for many years, in part because they provide features that the older KeePass and KeePass 2 didn't. KeePass XC does a lot to be competitive with the commercial apps. Probably the one feature that does the most is the application's autofill function. In the past, users had to copy and paste the URL, copy and paste the username, and copy and paste the password. Select an entry in the password file in KeePass XC, press Ctrl-Shift-U to open the website in the browser, and then place the cursor in the username field and press Ctrl-Shift-V. Now it's all automatic. 
As a free open source project, KeePass XC doesn't offer the ability to store passwords online the way the commercial apps do, but there's an easy workaround if you want to be able to share a single password file across multiple machines. Store the password database file on Google Drive or one of the other cloud-based storage systems. All of your computers that have access to that online location will have access to the passwords. But you might wonder if that's secure. And it is. KeePass XC encrypts the file when storing it locally, and anyone who gains access to the file will see nothing but gibberish inside. Additionally, online services generally encrypt files when they're being sent across the Internet, briefly decrypt them on arrival, and encrypt them again when they're stored. So your password file is encrypted on your computer, encrypted twice when it's on the wire, still encrypted even when the online service decrypts it before writing it to the server, and encrypted twice when it's being stored in the cloud. Although it's not necessary for operation, KeePass XC Browser can be downloaded for use with Microsoft Edge, Mozilla Firefox, and Google Chrome, Chromium, or Vivaldi. That allows the app to handle more complex login pages that need more than just a username and a password. KeePass XC also has a built-in password generator that can create passwords with any combination of upper and lowercase letters, numbers, symbols, and even extended ASCII characters. Password lengths can be up to 128 characters. Beware, though, some services do set a maximum length for passwords, and many won't accept high-bit ASCII characters. Even so, just think about somebody trying to break a password like the one you'll see on the TechBiter Worldwide website. 128 characters long with all character types. KeePass XE may not be as easy to use as 1Password and LastPass, but it offers the maximum amount of control. You decide whether a password offers enough program security or you want to add two-factor authentication. You decide whether you want the password file to be stored only on your computer or on a cloud-based service. One possible disadvantage is that KeePass XC has no apps for mobile devices, and that could be a deal-killer for some of us. But KeePass XC will probably gain a following among power users, those who are more concerned about security, and Linux users. Whether you choose KeePass XC, KeePass 2, KeePass X, 1Password, Dashlane, LastPass, or any other password manager is less important than choosing a password manager. You'll find links to all of those password managers on this week's TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. No passwords or password managers are needed to read spare parts. Just head over to the TechBiter Worldwide website, and this week you'll find these articles. The novel coronavirus has become a goldmine for scammers. They have adapted old ploys to new circumstances. Adobe Red Hat and IBM are teaming up to enhance online security as users of online systems demand more ease of use. And 20 years ago, the Oxford English Dictionary had just been released in an online version for more than $500 a year. Today it's $90 a year, but libraries often provide online access to patrons without cost. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide. 
the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.